Also, if you want more personal development content in your feed, you can follow me right now on social media at Matteo Grosso Coach. For this special edition of the podcast, I'm delighted to introduce you to Graham Brown, human storytelling author of the Human Connection Playbook and entrepreneur. Graham is also the founder of an award-winning podcast agency, Co., which is an AI-powered, data-driven B2B podcast agency in Singapore. Graham, welcome to the show. Matteo. Thank you so much. And thank you for doing a great pronunciation of my name. We had a few takes of that. <laughs> we took a little bit of time to rehearse it yeah. at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great to be here. I'm looking forward to this. Thank you so much. And today is my birthday. So thank you so much for the yeah. you know, birthday gift of being here I love that. today. Yeah. It's a big day for you of, of crossing the river into the world of entrepreneurship. Absolutely. That's exciting. Exactly, yeah. exactly. One year, one year ago, I launched you know, wow. the business. So one year has passed by, one year of podcasting, one year of giving value to the world. So very exciting. And uh, yeah, and then we met over the course. Yeah, of you're still podcasting. smiling as well. So there you go. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> still in a situation now, I'm very happy about it. So let's see, let's see how it goes. Um, <laughs> Good. Well, more power to you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Graham. And uh, um, thank you for being here, really. Thank you for being here. Today, mm. for uh, our listeners, you know, we will talk about the power and psychology of storytelling. Um, as you know, uh, for the guys who are listening, we had a few podcast episodes on, uh, you know, 10 tips to rock the stage as a public speaker, uh, five techniques to become a master storyteller. Um, what I was trying to teach you was more about the skills, you know, uh, but with Graham, mm. we will analyze more the mindset side, the, the, the psychology uh, of storytelling, and um, we will now touch base on other topics, you know, the psychology of data, the storytelling techniques, uh, um, you know, everything that uh, mm, uh, relates to psychology, storytelling, and the power of influence. So, um, again, thank you so much for, for being here mm. today with us, and uh, if you would like to introduce yourself, you know, briefly uh, for our listeners so that they know a little bit more about your journey, that would be fantastic. Great. Thank you so much. I'm a storyteller, Matteo, so that's what I do. And I'm just lucky enough that I found a way to get paid for that, telling stories. You know, when you were a kid, your, your mom used to say, don't tell stories. It was always a bad thing, wasn't it? It was always like you were <laughs> making stuff up. But actually, you know, when we go into the world of business, we realize how powerful storytelling is. The way I apply storytelling is help business leaders, startup founders, coaches, authors tell their story on bigger stages, which is podcasts. So I help them get interviewed on people's podcasts. That's my business. And I also help corporates. I have a corporate podcast agency, help them tell their human story which is what we want now. We want to know who are the people inside these companies. So I am a storyteller and 
you know, people ask me, what is storytelling? And I'm really pleased to be speaking to you, Matteo, because I've got a, an Italian analogy for you, which is, I believe storytelling is like, uh, you can take one brick and you can lay, so you can put down one brick, you can build a wall, or you can build the Sistine Chapel, you know, Michelangelo. Wow. So it's the same brick, it's the same action, but it's a different result. And that is storytelling in a nutshell, that it doesn't mean you're doing more. It doesn't mean you're using more resources, but you're completely changing the outcomes. And when you understand that mindset, you can understand, well, that could influence, for example, your sales message, your pricing strategy, hiring, fundraising, as a startup, for example, everything you do in business and all the results that you have really are downstream of an upstream story that you're telling. So that's what I do. And I help people tell better stories. And I, hopefully one of the things we talk about today is the imposter syndrome, <laughs> this belief that we don't have a good story inside us. You know, I'm not Elon Musk. I'm not Steve Jobs. So who am I to tell a story? That's a big thing. Getting over that resistance. Absolutely. And a quick question. Has it always been that way? Have you always been passionate about storytelling or is it something that you found along the way uh, when you understood the importance? I mean, we all love stories. We've all loved stories since we were kids, right? So we're always passionate. I think for me, I didn't realize that storytelling could be a powerful tool in business. I always thought it was fairy tale once upon a time. But my background was I graduated with an AI degree in 1995, many, many years ago, Matteo, and when AI wasn't cool. So when I went to the careers library, because universities had careers libraries there, when I went there for advice and I told her I've graduated with AI degree, find me a job, she didn't have anything. She basically just said, like, this is the only job I've got going at the moment, and it's teach English in Japan. So in 1995, I took a plane out to Japan. But for me, that was the beginning of storytelling because, you know, from school, we all, you know, your listeners will know. I bet if I ask you, think of that one teacher at school that really inspired you, that really, doesn't matter what subject, it could have been geography, maths. Me, it was physics. I don't know about you, Matteo. Remember that one teacher that you can Absolutely. remember really? What subject was it? Philosophy, yeah. For me, it was story, philosophy. history, philosophy, yes. Um, oh, wow. The, the human side uh, and uh, the philosophical side of... Uh, nice. Yeah. I bet that teacher was a good storyteller that made you, he pulled was. you <laughs> into the stories, right? So, you know, great teaching is storytelling. So that's kind of how I learned. I could teach bullet points or I could use story and communicate with people across barriers as well. And I brought that back, that knowledge back. And in the late nineties, I was involved in a telecoms company, which was really about researching and helping people understand young people and mobile phones, because I saw that happen in Japan. And for me, that was now, okay, I can actually see there's this thing called storytelling in business, which is helping people tell their stories and understand people better. So I saw the application there. 
And since then, it's really just been, it's like everybody's story. It's ref constantly refining, constantly improving it. You never have, you know, I never had a book before I could tell my story. You always have to get out there on stage and practice first. Then you can become better at the craft, if you like. So I'd put it to all your listeners now, if you want to tell better stories, you don't find your why, just get started. Get started, yeah. get on stage, get on podcasts, you know, speak to people, start a podcast even, <laughs> and that makes you a better storyteller. Love it. Yeah. So the ready, fire, aim, instead of oh. ready, aim, fire, right? So you fire first, right? You tell your story, you see how it goes, you see how people, you know, perceive your story, and then you improve along the way instead of waiting to have the, the perfect story. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That, that stops people, right? Because they wait for the perfect story. Like you're, you're, so if you're listening now to this, you may be thinking, why me? You know, I yeah, haven't exactly. Let's talk a little, sold a billion dollar this, company. Right? It's very interesting. Yeah. Right. So they're, they're thinking, I, I, why would anybody listen to my story? <laughs> and I would say to you, it's like, um, it's like comedy, you know, stand up comedy. No comedian was born funny. What you see, if you see like Kevin Hart or Jerry Seinfeld, you know, that's years and years and years of practice. They look effortless, they look calm. But what you don't see is all the times they got on stage and they told a joke and it didn't work. You don't see that. You don't see the unfunny parts because that's the, what I call agile storytelling. You know, it's the, the aim later, like fire first, aim <laughs> later, like you say, right? So that's really important. Getting on stage, face the moment of truth, get feedback and improve, constantly refine your narrative and improve on it. And that is so important because people don't even take the first step, you know. Hey, your story, Mateo, example, like you said, it's my birthday, right? It's a year since left yeah. the corporate job. So I, I would say to everybody listening today that every single one of you has this scene in your life. And it's called, if you, if you watch a really good movie, you'll see this scene, the same scene. And it's the scene in your life, my life, and the listener as well. And this is called the departure scene. Right. Departure, now, the departure. Yeah. yeah. It's like when you left the corporate world and then against the advice of your friends <laughs> or your family, I tell you, you have a good job. So you have a really good career. Why are you leaving? You sacrifice everything uh, because this thing in my heart is telling me I must go. But isn't that the same as every great movie? You've got like, you know, Harry Potter, he leaves on the train, right? He goes across this bridge on the train. That's the departure. It's the crossing in Lord of the Rings. He, you know, they cross the river. And, you know, even in all the religious texts as well, like, you know, the Buddha leaves the palace. You know, Luke Skywalker from Star Wars leaves his planet in search of the mentor. Greek myths are all the same, right? So this departure scene defines us all. Like, if you... When somebody asks you, tell me about yourself, I would say a great way to tell a story is to start 
where you ended. You know, it's like, you know, if you were directing a movie, the first shot is going to be a dead body on the floor. You know, a woman drops a gun and then runs away. Right? And then we're like, why? <laughs> right. And then you have to go back, don't you? You go back to the beginning, like when they met at college and, you know, the story. But like the way people tell stories is they start at the beginning, which is not interesting. Very true. I want to know if you tell me, okay, so Matteo, he left this corporate job. So already I know, firstly, what did you give up? So I know what's important to you. You know, where are you now and where are you going? Like, because you're going somewhere on this journey. And so that departure scene in every movie and in your story, my story, you know, I told you the story of AI going to Japan. Mm -hmm. It defines us. So how to give away, think like a director of a movie when you tell your story. You've, everybody here has got a great story. Everybody has left a corporate job or moved to another country, right? Or, you know, they've gone against the advice of somebody, you know, the smart people around them to do something that was not considered wise. And that makes your story interesting and worth telling. Everybody's got it inside us. Love it. Yeah, it's very true. Serve from the end, right? And, uh, and grasp the attention uh, of the people so that they want to find out what is happening at the beginning, right? Why did this happen, right? Why, why did like, Matteo leave? Exactly, right? What, like, what? It must be important. Exactly, right? There, there must be, because, I mean, as humans, we assume there was always, you know, a some rational thinking behind, right? There, there must yeah. be a good reason for something we do. So what happened? You know, I, and that, this is actually people ask me, like, what, what happened in the corporate world? You know, why did yeah. you leave? You know, did you find your purpose? Did you find your higher self, you know? And, and it, this gives me mm. an opportunity to actually share my story. <laughs> um, right. And by sharing your story, you invite us to become part of the journey, right? Yeah, you, and people can see themselves, right? That's the beautiful yes. thing of storytelling. Yeah. It's like, oh, I've been there too, right? And mm. there is commonalities, you know, like big brands do this, you know. Uh, I see myself in the values of the company, in the story of the company, in the in the mm. journey. Um, and here we go, we're friends. <laughs> Absolutely. Know? What a great way to connect with people through story. It's very powerful. It's almost beyond the world of logic. You know, we connect at an emotional level very much. Yeah, I was, um, I was reading, right, that the reason, maybe you know more than this than I am, uh, but the, the, the reason why people love stories so much is that our brain are wired for stories because of survival yeah. reasons. So our ancestors, you know, they didn't have a pen and paper or a laptop, so they had to share the stories in an interesting way so that they would... Uh, stay and they would uh, uh, remain in, in the minds of the people in the tribe, right? So mm. that's probably why storytelling is so powerful because it, it stays with people, right? The story or something. Yeah, there's a lot of research done on this, like the evolutionary psychology of storytelling. You know, they call us the storytelling ape. <laughs> you know, that, that we are different from the other apes, the great apes, because we tell stories. And even if you look at it, I mean, it's interesting when you look at it from the scientific angle that 
we are 98.8% similar DNA to a chimpanzee. So mm-hmm. DNA wise, we're very, very similar to a chimpanzee. And actually, you know, there there is more similarity between us and the chimpanzee than there is between a horse and a zebra, wow. right? And more distinct DNA wise. So we should be the same as a chimpanzee. So why is it we've evolved in it exponentially when the chimpanzees and the apes haven't? And you know, you've got to go all the way back. You go back to the cave paintings, you know, like you go to the south of France, these beautiful cave paintings, 20,000 years old. And you see like paintings of the buffalo stampede. And these are, these are stories. You know, like you say, they don't have pen. They don't have an iPad, right? So they're, they're, they're painting all the information there. But what's really interesting is like, why? Why did human beings develop storytelling and other animals didn't? Well, it's a lot to do with the agility, the agile nature of human beings is that, you know, if, if a, a zebra is born or a giraffe is born, it's functional in hours. It has to get up and move around because the lions are going to eat that thing. Right. But a baby is useless. <laughs> a human baby, <laughs> like you remember, like, you know, babies don't do anything apart from cry, you know, need their diapers changing. They're useless for months and months, if not years. Right. But that's the advantage because the human brain is very agile. And that means that it can absorb more information. Like if you think about it in computer terms, the hardware isn't so good but the software is very powerful. And if you look at evolution, what's happened is that we've had to evolve and get better, but our biological hardware is limited, right? You know, we still have the same digestive system as we did 30,000 years ago, more. You know, we still digest foods in the same way. We haven't evolved that way so fast. So if we want to evolve and, you know, have iPads and iPhones and rocket ships going to the moon, you know, we need some way to get beyond our physical frame. So what's happened at some point in evolution is we've learned effectively to decouple from the hardware. We've learned to, you know, upload culture or information into the cloud. You know, that is our culture. Storytelling is the cloud. If you think about it, you know, I can upload information and say, okay, don't eat those berries. (laughs) Those are poisonous. (laughs) Right. And if it was done biologically, it would have to rely on, you know, trial and error. It's not good, but I can pass that information to generation to generation. I can influence people. And then, you know, the last part of that story is, the reverse, what's happened is this thing called phenotypic evolution, which is basically meaning that the store, the storytelling nature in our brain actually drives evolution. So if, for example, a tribe is more responsive to storytelling, then that tribe will outperform another tribe. And therefore the children of that tribe who are more responsive to storytelling will survive and do better. That's where we are 20,000 years later today, you and I, we have brains that are very responsive to storytelling because that has helped us grow, survive, thrive, influence people and lead groups, small tribes, which is where we are today, like in the world of social media and business. 
This is incredibly interesting. Thank you so much, Graham, for sharing. It makes a lot of sense, does it? It's uh, yeah. And we do it. I was thinking, right, that um, in the same way, an ancestor would uh, tell a story about uh, um, uh, someone who died because of eating some berries. We tend to tell the same stories nowadays when we want to, um, uh, let's say, prepare someone for a potential danger. So hmm. we might say, you know, I've heard, you know, that Jonathan went in this neighborhood and he was robbed, you know, and and this stays in our brains, right? It, right? Remember it. And when we are in the neighborhood, we're like, oh my God, you know, this is so scary. But because our brain is so wired for survival that hmm. uh, it, we are very sensitive to stories, right? Which makes storytelling, like in, in, in a good way for people and brands, et cetera, so powerful because it's, it stays with people instead of... Uh, just forgetting about, you know. Uh, so, for instance, if I say um, I create, you know, a laptop you can use to type, that's something mm. you might forget. But if I say I use a machine that inspires you and there is a beautiful story around it, you know, it's uh, it's um, simple. It's um, you can bring it with you, and I bring you on a journey, right? And you think about yourself traveling, etc. Then you're like, oh, I like. I yeah. actually remember that there was this thing, you know, that uh, makes me feel something. Um, well, great, great pitch, man. Great business leaders, marketers know that, that they use that and they, they tell the stories in those ways. Steve Jobs was a good example. When he sold the iPod, you know, when he stood up in front of people and said, you know, launched the iPod, not the iPhone yet. He stood up. He didn't say this is the world's best MP3 player, which was like, you know, your keyboard, you can type, right? Features. He stood up and said, this is a tool for the heart. That was it. So, you know, I'd put it to the listeners as well. Storytelling can be one sentence. It can be a word. It doesn't have to be three books, you know, like a trilogy. It can be a word, a sentence. It can be a chart. It's a story as well. And so Steve Jobs was a great example. What he effectively did is like you're saying, Matteo, is that he he managed to get to our conscious level, a subconscious level of understanding and what storytelling does and why it's powerful, and especially in business, is that when I hear about your product, when I hear about you or your service, I'm scared. I'm scared that you're going to make me look stupid. It's going to lose my money. I might get fired if I make this decision. All those is fear. We're, we're fearful. Like we're wired for fear. That's why we're around still today. We're scared of things. So, but what storytelling does, because the brain, our brain cannot distinguish between past and present and future. It doesn't know. The brain just experiences. So if you remember a bad thought, it's like you're having it now. Right. It's like you're experiencing now. So what a storyteller like Steve Jobs could do is he could take an unknown future, this product, right, this idea and connect it to a known past, a known experience like the heart, music, love, relationships, you know, our song, all that stuff. And so that's what really good storytellers can do. They're just connecting the unknown with the known. That's as simple as that. So what he used, what Steve Jobs used here was 
a storytelling technique called what I call the short form story. You know, a story is just a very, very simple analogy. You know, it's used in all kinds of religious texts, right? Connecting something with something else and helping. It's the X of Y, you know, you're the Uber of whatever, or the Airbnb of whatever. That's a short form story. So it helps people understand where you fit in the world and connects it very quickly. And that's what you see. You see really good startup founders pitch. They'll use this technique, maybe unconsciously picking up from people like Steve Jobs, but it's very, very powerful. Beautiful. Yeah. The incredibly interesting thing. Thank you so much. And um, I was wondering, right, as you were talking, right? So there is no doubt that storytelling is powerful, is effective, right? And um, I wanted to ask you, right, why don't, why do you think so many of us are afraid to hmm. tell a story, right? Why do we suffer from the, because at, at the, let's say, um, conscious level, at the rational level, we know uh, storytelling is powerful. And for mm-hmm. instance, I, I published a podcast on the, the skills, right? How to implement storytelling. But this doesn't mean that people will actually implement it because there is something that prevents them from um, actually use it, actually storytell, right? Mm-hmm. So it, since you are an expert in this, you know, uh, on the psychology of storytelling, what prevents people from telling a story? What, what, mm. uh, what's uh, That's a great question. us? One part we've already discussed, which is the imposter syndrome. You know, I don't have a story worth telling. The other part is what psychologists call naive realism. It's a bias. It's like a cognitive bias. And uh, so, you know, one of the things I do is help startup founders tell stories. And uh, I was working with a group of startup founders and I, after the session, one of these startup founders came to me and said, uh, I don't want to tell a story. I want to tell the truth. And I said ah. to him, yeah, look, if you don't tell a story, I won't know what your truth is. And that's the problem I feel is that we believe that we make decisions on logic and fact and data. You know, we're very much in a world, it looks very rational. And we feel that that's how we make decisions. And yet the reality is that's not how we make decisions. There's been some really powerful um, neuropsychological research about how we make decisions. And one example is a, a neuropsychologist, his name was Damasio, Italian chap, and he uh, studied what happens to our decision-making if we have damage to the emotional cortex of the brain. And he found that most people would think if you don't have emotion, if you were just a logical being, then you would probably be like a robot. You'd probably be quite boring, maybe really good at chess, (laughs) but make really good investment decisions, right? That's what we think. That's the bias we have. That's the world. But the reality is, is that he studied people who had damage, who didn't have any real functioning emotions. And one like patient he recalls in his work, he said, uh, really intelligent guy, but he couldn't make very, very basic decisions about day-to-day life. He couldn't choose tea or coffee. 
He couldn't choose, how do I go home? Like, do I get the bus after this session or do I go by train? And he couldn't decide what to buy his wife for her birthday. And the reality is, is that we make so many of our decisions based in emotion. And to answer your point, why are we scared of telling stories? Because we're scared of going there. We're scared of opening up. We're scared of, oh, being vulnerable. You know, we're scared of, I screwed up. Or I don't know. Or, you know, maybe I didn't get it right. And scared of saying, I'm, I'm scared, <laughs> right? That's the reality. Like, if you're a leader, you, you have to say, oh, I don't know. And I'm scared. And I don't know what the future is going to look like. And therefore, we, we tend to, kind of like resort to the, you know, we, we edit our world down. You know, if somebody asks you to tell your story, I love the fact that you left the corporate world and you started a business and, you know, it's not always going to be perfect. Right. But that's the fascinating part of the story. But to tell that story, you have to open up, you have to be vulnerable. You're opening yourself to criticism. And that, if you do that, then people love it. Like, you're not perfect. You're like me. You're a human. You bleed red blood, right? <laughs> you're scared. You have fears. But that makes it more interesting. You think about it, like every single hero movie, you know, Superman or whoever, right? They always have a weakness, right? You know, you think about even in the Greek myths. Um, true, yeah. Achilles, the main difference right? between heroes and, and gods. Right? We're not gods, right. we're heroes. Because the heroes, heroes have they're weakness. And that is a very small thing, but it's a big thing, right? And that makes us, we identify not with the gods, but with the heroes. Because they have that weakness. Maybe they have some vulnerability or otherwise they become plastic. We can't connect with them. And so that's the challenge. I mean, it's a long answer to your question, but I think it's fear. We're scared of opening up and being vulnerable. But those who dare to be vulnerable really i think the modern media landscape is very beneficial for them that's leadership being vulnerable connecting with people at an emotional level this is very interesting uh, we also see this in behavioral science right and uh, mm. it is but this is one thing which is common to every personality style the the, the willingness to connect at an emotional level which is very peculiar because some personality styles are totally radically different. Right? There is the mm. person who um, wants uh, to uh, work more independently, work more in a group, uh, uh, more data-driven, more empathic. Uh, but, but one thing they all have in common to persuade them, like a sense of persuasion, is emotions, mm. which is incredibly interesting. And as you said, it's probably because as humans, you know, we make um, like emotional decisions, but then we we justify them like rationally oh, we're logic <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> right so we basically decided <laughs> for you you see that with every you know like think about you know you you look at the world of marketing for example and look at soda soda is just fizzy water with caramel and caffeine right coke versus pepsi it's, it's the same product but we buy more Coke than we buy more Pepsi. Why is that, right? You know, they've even researched, neuropsychologists have researched this. 
that eat Pepsi tastes better, but people buy more Coke because Coke tells a better story. And they've even shown, for example, that when they do blind taste tests, you know, they give you cola A, cola B, you drink it, mm, cola A tastes better. Ah, oh, cola A was Pepsi. But when they give you the cola, but this is Pepsi, this is Coke, you know, it's branded. Coke tastes better. So tell me what's going on. It's actually shaping the experience at the brain level. The, the emotion is actually shaping that experience. So it's so important that we, you know, we in business, whether you are working with data or whether you're a programmer or you're a startup founder, whatever it may be, is that, you know, we have to understand context. You know, the content is what we make you know, for people, right? But the, the context is the package around that. So what does it mean to them? You know, what problems does it solve for them? How does it make them feel better? How does it connect with them at the emotional level? And it's really important that we understand what we do from that level. It's probably, you know, we're not selling stuff. It's beyond that. It's maybe you're making people less fearful about themselves or more confident or whatever it may be. That's the emotional level we've got to get to. And everybody's got it. But, you know, even if you look at data, for example, Matteo, you know, that if you think about the last couple of years where we've been with COVID, right? You remember at the beginning of COVID when they had that chart flattening the curve, you know, that chart that came out and that became, you know, hundreds of millions of people saw that. That's a story that appealed to us at an emotional level. It was a story, you know, like every story, even in this chart had heroes and villains. It had time, it had like a past, present and a future, like any good Shakespeare. And it had an action that we wanted to get out of it, right? So even that, even if we talk about data, you know, it's very emotional for people to understand it. And I think that if we reduce it just to the level of logic, it, that's only the tip of the iceberg, right? It's the 90% below water that we really have to understand and work with. And uh, may I ask you, what's a, um, what's, what's a tip, right? What's, a, what's an advice for people who would like to become better storytellers? Is it to become a little bit more vulnerable, like to embrace a little bit of more of their emotions, their uh, kind of uh, animal side, we could say their gut, their feelings, their heart, mm. instead of being in their head all the time? What's something that you think it could be could be helpful? It's practice, really. Oh, practice. That, yeah, absolutely. You, I, I, and importantly, practicing on stage. Now, I talk about you know in my when I help work with people in podcast guesting, I break it down: stage, story, system. Stage okay. being the podcast is a great stage. Story being your narrative, and the system being like the workflows you can build around that. But if you want to get better, you have to practice. And practicing is not posting on social media. No, practicing is facing rejection. Because the more you face rejection and the more you learn that getting on stage and facing rejection isn't fatal, you don't die, then you become so much better. If you're just posting on social media, you will not get better in storytelling. It will not improve. I know it's a form of storytelling, but you're not facing the rejection necessary to become better at this. And it's a very agile manner, but you have to get on stage. 
You have to do it. You have to face the moment of truth to improve. And every time you do it, this is what happens. This is the beauty of practice is you join the dots. And if you're an entrepreneur, the biggest problem you're going to have, Matteo, and the biggest problem that I have, we all have, is that our life doesn't sometimes make sense. Like you did this and then you did that and then you moved here and then you did that. And it's like, you've got lots and lots of scenes in your life. It's not like I was five years old and I had a vision from God about what I was going to do for the rest of my life. It wasn't that easy. It was very, very messy. You know, this line went around and back and up and down for many, many years. And that's probably 99% of people's lives. And it's very hard to look at that and say, wow, where's my story in this? But I tell you this, is that when you get on stage, like you talk to Matteo and you jam ideas, you get feedback. And inside your brain, all these connections are happening, right? And then you come away and then things start to make sense. Things start to come together and you join the dots. So, you know, I graduated with an AI degree. What the hell has that got to do with storytelling? Well, after lots and lots of practice, I found the answer. You know, I found that actually AI and storytelling are two sides of the same human experience, right? The more we move into the world of AI, the more people demand human stories, right? That connect us. That's why we're here doing this podcast, right? But that's taken time. And I put it, you know, I know you asked for a quick tip. It's a long tip. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. But the point really is get on stage, practice, refine, get feedback on your, think of it as like a stand up comic, right? Go out there, practice new material, doesn't work, change it. Oh, how did they react to that? Oh, they really liked that. Refine it, build up small sketches of every part of your life is a small sketch. So there's a sketch when you left the corporate world, right? Refine that practice it. That's a sketch, right? A small vignette of your life and treat these like little tiny bricks. You're building this wall of this story. And then you can kind of put all of these together. And that's how you get a comprehensive narrative that flows. It takes a lot of practice, but a lot of bravery getting out there and you know, putting yourself out there, vulnerable. Vulnerability, yeah. And connecting, connecting the dots, looking backward. That's a very important tip, right? We, we can never know what we, were, what we are going to do next, but we know we can understand why we did what, what we did do. And yeah. that makes a lot of sense. You just Nobody knows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like to find your why. Yeah. It's like most people find their why afterwards, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wow. Okay. And one question connected to storytelling, let's, let's ask a final question, all right? Um, because we talk a lot about leadership in this podcast and, uh, mm. and a very important leadership quality is the ability to influence people. And you were letting me know before we, um, at the beginning of the podcast, right? Before we started, um, that the psychology of influence and storytelling has a lot to do with influencing people. Um, could you let us know a little bit more about this? Mm. In the context of leadership. Uh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like leadership and storytelling are intertwined. You can't be a good leader if you can't tell stories. 
without a doubt. All good leaders tell stories. I mean, take your pick, whoever. There doesn't have to be political leaders, but business leaders. I mean, we've mentioned Steve Jobs as an example. What a great storyteller he was. Um, you know, he, when he launched the iPhone, not the iPod this time, he used, there, there is a, a storytelling uh, structure called The Hero's Journey by Joseph Campbell, which I recommend listeners to check out, which really is that sort of heroic monomyth that, you know, it's the Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter type thing. Um, but you'll see some familiarities and structures in that, that Steve Jobs used unconsciously. Um, great, great directors use it. But in the context of leaders, I mean, think about, for example, you know, th this is the mind blowing aspect of how powerful storytelling is. You've got to go back to before your time and my time, Matteo, like go back to the 60s, right? And, um, you know, it's 1963, I think. So, well, you know, 60 years ago, a different world. But John F. Kennedy, now he stood up before his people and he said, uh, we shall land a man on the moon and bring him home safely by the end of the decade. Right? This is 1963 in his address to the American people. And you've got to bear in mind that this is a world of black and white television. You know, the internet hadn't really been invented then. You know, it certainly didn't have blockchain. Very, very different world. And like the iPhone in your pocket has 200,000 times more computational power in that iPhone than in the whole mainframe of the NASA computer for the Apollo 11 program, right? The Apollo 11 program computer had four megabytes, four, no not way. four gigabytes, four <laughs> megabytes, right? And you see these pictures of like, you know, there's a, um, a great uh, photograph of some of the coders standing behind, you know, standing next to these stacks and stacks of printouts, this paper, you know, millions and millions of lines of code they've written, handwritten. And with all of that, they got mankind to the moon and back. It's just phenomenal achievement. And that is the power of story that, you know, when people say, oh, oh, we need more technology, we need more resources, they're saying, we don't, we don't need better data. We just need better stories. And stories got us to the moon. If you think about how powerful that was given the constraints of the technology that they had at the time and they connect people you know they give people purpose for leaders you think about how important that was there's a there's a an anecdote of john f kennedy walking around uh the nasa command and he bumps into a janitor in the the hallway and there were, there were hundreds of thousands of people working at nasa like I think 400,000 engineers, 400,000 engineers working on the program like across the country. And he bumps into this janitor and he says, hey, what are you doing here? And the janitor says, I'm helping put a man on the moon. And you think about that, that was the power of the story told. And that's what leaders can do. They can give people the promised land. That's what it is. You know, we're, we're going to the promised land. It's not going to be easy, folks. We're going to have to leave the comfortable world and cross the river. And there may be troubles ahead, but this is where we're going. And that's what leadership is. It's not a popularity contest by any means. It's about taking people where they need to go. That is how it happens. And I think if you want to get 
deep into the world of story and understand how leaders do it, just learn from the best, learn how these guys do it, you know, guys and girls, not just men who are great storytellers, but lots of great people out there have given us templates of what works. And I'm grateful I could learn from you today and we could all uh, learn from you, Graham. Uh, this is incredible. And uh, there are so many topics right, that we, we discussed today uh, about, you know, how to influence people, the mindset that hold us, holds us back, um, the psychology, the, the storytelling, you know. And I mean... Uh, these all make so much sense, you know, when we look at it all, all together, right? The importance mm -hmm. of storytelling, why us humans are wired for storytelling, uh, how leaders can use storytelling for um, to inspire, right? And to, to influence and to explain their vision. Um, thank you so, so much for being here with us uh, this, this morning and evening in, uh, in Singapore. <laughs> uh, this, is, this was incredible. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed this, Matteo. You're a good host and I enjoyed the jam today. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very, very much. And uh, um, I will make sure to, to let you know, right, the, the, the questions and the, the insights from our listeners, right? What uh, I, I'm sure they will mm. have a lot of lots of questions on, you know, and, and, and feedback on storytelling. And I hope we inspired some people today to, mm. um, to start storytelling more, to put themselves out there. Um, and just try right and and see how it goes and and uh, improve along the way um, but you're a fantastic example Graham of how storytelling works you know when you talk when you speak you speak with stories right and I, I find I, I find myself really inspired so thank you <laughs> well thank you well hopefully somebody out there is listening and maybe in the corporate world like Matteo was some years ago and your story will inspire them to change, right? We're, that's, that's how it works, isn't it? You, when you were younger, somebody tells you a story about their life and it plants a seed in your head yeah. <laughs> and that seed doesn't grow, but some days maybe you water the seed and it starts growing and pew, something beautiful starts blossoming, right? And you can't stop it. So that's the power of a story and we're all influencing each other in some form or way. So I think it's a very, you know, we have a role to get these stories out there because they, we don't know who's listening, right? And who needs them as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, for your storytelling, story you know, um, and, uh, and for your inspiration. Thank you for your time. Um, Thank you. Guys, for all our listeners, that's what we have got for this special episode. If you like this episode, please share it with someone who could benefit from knowing more about storytelling. And if you could share it in your Instagram stories and tag me, Matteo Grosso Coach and Graham Brown, it would be amazing. The only way we grow and impact more people is if you guys share it. So we greatly, greatly appreciate all of you who will do it. Make your life a masterpiece. See you next week. We appreciate you and we hope you have an amazing day.